It's time for episode 176 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 15th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where it's February 15th and we celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined across the internet by my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dan. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, This is the show where we talk about four tech topics with two wonderful guests. To my left, the first of our guests, a senior editor at Mobile Nations and a podcaster on such shows such as Disruption right here on Relay FM. Micah Sargent's back. Hi, Micah. Who writes this stuff, Dan? I don't know. They just hand me copy. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be here, Dan. I'm happy to be here. We're glad to have you back. And to my left, it is, yeah, Mike is here. Guess who else is here? It's Allison Sheridan, podcaster from NoSillaCast and Chit Chat Across the Pond. Hello. Hello. I would like the record to show that Jason tried to have me on once without Micah, and I told him that was against the express terms of my contract. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, All right. Let's kick off the first of our topics today. I'm the designated co-host, so I'll go first. Once again, the rumor mongers, mongering their delightful rumors, suggest that wireless charging Maybe in the next iPhone, people are reading the tea leaves. My question for you is, does wireless charging in the iPhone, does that appeal to you? Is that something that you want, or is it just kind of a a gimmicky thing? Micah, what do you think? First of all, let's get something clear. Wireless charging is fake news. Wireless charging (laughs) is a lie. (laughs) Up to this point, wireless charging has meant... I can't use my phone while it sits on a plate that won't be able to be moved from the desk. That's not wireless charging. Now, if we live in some sort of Tesla future soon where I can walk around in my house and my phone is magically charging, I'm all for that. That's, That's no gimmick to me. That's beautiful, wonderful magic. And I would love to live in a world with beautiful, wonderful magic. But if it's that nonsense where I spend like 200 extra dollars on a table just so it has a little plate on it where I can sit my phone. I, I don't I don't believe in that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I, I hope I hope that Tesla, uh, the, the person, not the car company, uh, <laughs> makes uh, a wonderful magical reappearance in this world. And uh, that is the iPhone that I want, the Tesla iPhone. Interesting. Nice. Let's start a rumor. Um, I like the idea, I guess, a little bit, but I, I, then I try to think about how it would work in my house and it doesn't work for me because I start to think about the infrastructure that would have to be developed here. Like, are they going to ship this with uh, probably with no wireless charging thing? Even if it's available, that'll be an extra add-on sort of thing. And, you know, my house has an area. We, we literally replaced an outlet with four USB plugs in the space where the outlet was. There's now just a thing with four USB plugs for charging. And there are always devices charging there. That's uh, by the kitchen. And I think, like, okay, what do we replace that with? And now we're replacing that with, like, a pad or something. I'm not sure that works logistically. Um, then we've got phones laying on a pad that'll just get, you know, knocked off or whatever. And, and uh, then they're not charging anymore. Um, I'm having a hard time seeing this. I think maybe eventually, uh, if you've got if you build up this infrastructure and you've got lots of different surfaces in your house that can that can charge a device, then it'll feel a little bit better. But you know, my daughter does all of her phone work. She uses her phone so much that at home, you know, she just uses it while it's plugged in all the time, and so it's not going to help her in that situation unless we get to the, the Micah's uh, dream of the the you know power being beamed through the air. So I don't know. I am. 
Uh, I'm intrigued by it, but when I try to think about how practical it will be, it doesn't feel revolutionary, at least for a long time until, uh, you know, until basically everything in our lives is built with wireless charging in mind, if that ever happens. I think that the this whole concept of the pad would have been much more popular if we were jumping straight from like micro USB and, and the 30 pin dock connector up to a pad you set it on because it was so hard to plug the connectors in. But with USB-C and lightning, now you got a pretty good chance of getting it in right on the first try, as opposed to the three tries it takes with the other connectors. So I think that makes the pad not be as attractive. But what I worry about is the power efficiency. I mean, I don't remember us having unlimited power available today, and we've got some issues with using a lot of it. And we we interviewed a guy at CES who was working on um, magnetic induction charging with Apple. And this is one of those unnamed sources kind of stories. I've always <laughs> wanted to have one of those. But um, the guy told us that with an, he had a case that they had built that supposedly was working with Apple on, and it, and it plugs into the lightning connector, and you set it on a little pad, and it charged. And so he proved it. It, that it worked with our phone. So that was kind of cool. But he said that that's only 90% efficient. You lose 10% efficiency on that. And then he lifted it up and he says, we're working on the wireless technology, truly Micah's dream. He said when I'm, he was like two or three inches away. He said, it's now 90% loss when it's that far away. So you're going to, you would need a transmitter that's going to fry your brain if, if physics is to hold up uh, from what I understand. So I'm not as excited about wireless charging. I'm with you guys, you know, have a cable in every wall. It works out. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are some physics problems to overcome with actual distance wireless charging, uh, depending R on squared. how you do it. Right, right. And, uh, you know, there are there are companies that have promised this kind of invention and it hasn't played out. Magnetic induction charging is is nothing new. It's been around for a very long time. You can go into a Starbucks and get a little dongle that plugs into your phone and put it down on some of the tables uh, to get, you know, charge your iPhone. This is nothing crazy i don't know that it's a huge uh, appeal uh for iphone users i do like the idea of being able to just throw my phone down you know on a on my desk you know rather than having to root around for a lightning cable because i don't always have one plugged into my imac but it it's not something that's going to change my life every day and and certainly you know when it comes to things like travel i i'm annoyed enough at having to drag around my apple watch charger because it's a different thing um, so I, I'm kind of skeptical that this is coming. I think it would also require, you know, they have to engineer more hardware to build into the iPhone and space is always at a premium in there. And for something that's only a meager improvement, I, I'm be surprised if they actually took the time to build it in. But I guess hope springs eternal that Nikola Tesla will return among us and fix all of our wireless charging woes. Thank you for your thoughts on that. Let's go to topic number two, which comes from Micah. Oh, that's me. So I have an iPhone that has Siri, iPad that has Siri. I have an Echo device that has Alexa. And I have a Google Home on the way that has Google Assistant. What smart assistant, if any, are you using to to control your home automation gadgets? And why are you using that specific one or those specific ones? Jason, take it away. I'm using the Amazon Echo, Micah. And I'm doing that partially because I just haven't bought a Google Home because I've got the Echo and I have an Echo Dot. And so I, I, I'm sort of in that infrastructure a little bit. And why I use it over uh, over Siri is really 
because Siri is incredibly limited when it comes to controlling home stuff because it relies on HomeKit and Apple has blocked a lot of stuff from uh, being HomeKit capable. It, it wants some very specific things. And that means that stuff that I already bought can't be uh, kind of backtracked into compatibility. And so as a result, I got devices that can only be controlled by the Echo. And as a result of that, then I use the Echo because that's what I've got. So uh, my uh, lately, it's I bought a I bought a Wemo switch that lets me uh, it turns a dehumidifier on and off in our house. And uh, not only can I tell the voice control that that there's also some sort of smart programming that will turn it on at certain humidity levels and at certain times of day. And it was fun getting all that set up. And I do use that sort of thing and we've got some lights that I actually control on and off that way and the nice thing about it is that it's a combination of voice control and also some scripting based on if this then that so I can choose either some of it happens automatically but I can also override it with my voice and it's fun so that's at this point that's what I'm using more than anything else so it's it's still kind of a novelty but it's a getting better and it's all happening with uh, the Amazon stuff mostly because it's compatible with basically everything. We're kind of uh, we're going to come off as uh, maybe crazy people at my house, but I've set up a three router network where all of the icky non uh, HomeKit compatible devices are sitting over on a separate network. So I've got a Windows PC over there and my Wemo switches and my Nest uh, smoke detector. Those are all over on the icky network. And then my <laughs> Macs and my Drobos and everything and my HomeKit compatible devices are all on their own network that can't be polluted by those things. So if I need to talk to my Wemo switches, I just use the app to do that because I'm from the Internet as far as that device is considered. Um, I, I haven't found Amazon to be the miracle drug that everybody else seems to think it is. Uh, I got the Echo Dot and um, I, I probably haven't given it as much of a fair shake as I can. But I use so I use Siri to control my Hue light bulbs, for example. And I've finally gotten into the habit of uh, of telling them to shut off through Siri and I was making fun of Tom Merritt the other day because he was saying on one of his shows that he didn't see the value in having a smartwatch. And in the very next part of the story, he or the next thing he was talking about, he talked about the fact that he has to walk all the way over there to get his phone <laughs> in order to turn off the lights. I'm like, yeah, but I raise my wrist and I say, hey, given her name, and I say, turn off the lights. So I don't have to go over and get my phone for Siri to completely ignore me and not turn the lights off at least 30% of the time. Uh, all right. So I'm going to be the guy who has multiple things that he talks to in order to control all of his home uh, home automation. Some in his own the, head. Uh, some of them. Yeah. Sometimes I just yell. Well, I mean, you, you know, there are enough failures where thing, you know, the echo doesn't hear me that I get really annoyed and snap at it. Uh, that actually happens a lot when I change the wake word and forget. So that's then that's on me. Um, so I have an Echo, I have a Google Home, uh, I have Siri. I use all of them in various ways to control uh, my my various home automation stuff. So, for example, I use Siri a lot at night when I'm going to bed because the the lights in my bedroom are on um, our Philips Hue lights, and so I can say good night to Siri, and it will just automatically know to turn those lights off, which is pretty cool. Um, but when I'm just sort of around the office or what have you, I often use my Echo uh, in my the Echo Dot I have in my office or the Echo I have in my kitchen. And of course, I know that what Mike is really after is to know <laughs> how I managed to make my lights turn red, blink, and have an alert klaxon play because uh, I've set it up to do so when I say red alert to the Google Home. So and cool. The answer is 
way too much time on my hands in home automation equipment. So yeah, I, I like all those things. They have different strengths. Um, I really like some of Google Home's customizations with uh, If This Then That because it, it has a lot of power in what it can do. Um, but right now the Echo is still a bit ahead in terms of just uh, which devices it works with. So your mileage may vary. <laughs> uh, Dan, you and I are a lot alike uh, in the <laughs> I, sense I'll that we, we talk to lots of voices, my friend. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I uh, mostly write about home automation, home kit and pet tech uh, for mobile nations. And so that's my main focus. I've got a crap ton of home automation gadgetry in my home. And, you know, I was giving Alexa a lot of, <laughs> a lot of credit for being incredible. Uh, Amazon's talkie device, we'll call it. Um, and, you know, lately it's been disappointing me, uh, I, with, with the way that it works with Philips Hue and the way that you kind of have to go in and, and discover devices and set it up, if you don't do it just right and if the, the groups aren't set up just right and if you get like one thing wrong, then I've noticed it can be a little bit less responsive, at least for me, when I'm trying to turn off multiple uh, lights at one time, whereas it used to be really good about doing that. Um, so I've actually been using uh, a, a Hoy telephone a lot more often to uh, control at least my Hue lights, which is the, you know, there are a great majority of, of hue lights in my home versus the other switches and uh, blips and blops that I have. So uh, I actually have been using Ahoy Telephone a lot more often, uh, but I'm really excited to try out Google Assistant because, specifically because A, Dan's awesome uh, Trek <laughs> thing, and B, just the if this then that integration. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, that's two topics down, which means it's time for halftime, Jason. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Linode. Fast, powerful hosting for your projects. You can set it up in seconds. They have easy-to-understand tools that let you choose your resources, choose the Linux distro of your server, and give you the power and flexibility you need. Plans start at just 5 dollars a month. It's mind-blowing for a Linux server with 1 gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Linode has over 400,000 customers. They're all serviced by a friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. If you need help, they will be there for you. They have comprehensive guides and support documentation to teach you everything you need to know for setting up and managing your virtual servers. Linode's control panel is nicely designed with a focus on ease and simplicity. You can boot, deploy, resize, clone. Just a few clicks is all that is required. There's two-factor authentication to keep you safe. You can create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication. It's the full package for your server infrastructure needs. So here's what you do. Linode, you can get a server with one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, all the way up to 16 gigs of RAM for $60 a month. Their two gig plan now includes 30 gigs of storage, all for just $10 a month. Mind-blowing again. More and more awesome options to meet your server needs. Across the board, they're offering twice the amount of RAM you'll get elsewhere. And you can get a great deal. Go to linode.com slash clockwise. You'll support us and get $20 toward any Linode plan. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee. So there is no risk in giving it a try. Linode.com slash clockwise, L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash clockwise. Or use the promo code clockwise2017 when you check out. Thank you to Linode for sponsoring Clockwise. All right. Time for topic number three, and that's me. So 
uh, some some Kickstarter stuff in the news this week. I wrote a couple articles on Six Colors about this. The people at the Icon Factory are trying to get a uh, a new version of Twitterific for the Mac backed, and rather than just putting in the work and hoping people buy it, they're getting people to commit on Kickstarter to buying it and some other stuff in order to uh, get money in the bank before they start down the road of building the project. Um, There are a bunch of other cool Kickstarter projects in the works now, including one involving Girl Scouts in San Diego building a game, which is pretty cool. I'll put that in the show notes. I was curious, though, to look a little bit, you know, every time I back a project, I think about the projects that I backed that have either not given me anything or gave me a lot less than I expected. And so that's what I thought I would ask about the dark side of Kickstarter. What is a project you backed that you now regret and why? Well, at first I was going to be all high and mighty and say, I've never backed a Kickstarter project and you people are all fools. But then I thought, maybe I should log in to see if I have an account and see if I ever backed anything. In 2013, I backed something called Next Generation Live Code. It was an open source project and it was being used by the people who make Clarify from Blue Mango Learning. And they're a great company and a great product that I really liked. So they said, oh, we're really hoping these guys get this open source thing working. You want to back them? So I backed them. I never looked again, never paid any attention. I don't know whether the tools ever came to anything. Apparently it was funded, but I didn't expect anything from it. And I think maybe that's kind of the the flaw in the Kickstarter logic is we expect something from it. And yet that's not necessarily what's going to happen. So I haven't backed anything that I regret. And I purposely don't back things because I don't want to be disappointed by that. Because I've listened to people like you, Jason, and that sounds really sad. Uh, oh man, this is the part where I have to admit that I'm a giant sucker because I <laughs> what I am, cherry? I am one of the people who backed that crazy cooler. Uh, oh. that yeah, that's I'm one of those guys. Because uh, sure, it sounded great, you know. It's this, uh, so for those of you who don't know, the coolest cooler, which was an attempt to make like a smart cooler that had like a built-in Bluetooth speaker and a built-in blender, and it has just been trouble city. Uh, and so I backed it back in the day when it was still, you know, basically fairly cheap and you were guaranteed a cooler for something like, uh, 150, $65, something like that. And of course now it's been through all these problems. They've had to like multiple times sell early models to continue to fund, like basically the rewards for the backers. Cause it turned out that the amount that they sold them to the backers for was just not sustainable in terms of how much it cost to actually produce them. And so even though this thing closed, geez, when like two, three years ago, uh, maybe it's, it's still, I don't, I don't have one. <laughs> so, uh, I'm basically, there've been a couple opportunities to sort of like buy your way out by spending extra money to have yours delivered in a quicker fashion, but I'm stubborn. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here until I get it delivered for the actual price. Or they go out of business first, which is probably way more likely, and then I'm left with uh, absolutely nothing. So, yeah, yeah, I guess you could say I have, I, I've had a few regrets. <laughs> I have a friend who has backed only failing projects. Is his name Schmeike? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, my friend. Uh, but for some reason, I have gotten lucky, and all of the the projects that I have backed, I'll be the high and mighty one, Allison. All of the uh-huh. projects I've backed have been successful. Um, but 
I backed one called Nifty Mini Drive. Uh, and by the way, when I say successful, I mean it shipped. I don't mean it was great because <laughs> the Nifty Mini Drive was one that was not so great. So it was basically this little aluminum uh, SD card that you could slide into the side of your MacBook um, or MacBook Pro in my case, and it sat flush with your laptop. And inside of like a, it, it was the shape of a normal SD card. You could put a mini SD card. Part of the problem was whenever you put your Mac to sleep, it will eject SD cards. <laughs> On top of that, the thing stopped working, and so I ended up throwing it away. Sometimes it's just not a good idea to back Kickstart projects. Yeah, I wish I learned my lesson. The first thing I ever bought on Kickstarter, ever ever backed on Kickstarter, was a film, an animated film, and I'm not going to say what it was or who the animator was. I will just say that I backed that project in 2010, and I still get updates from the guy, and that film is still not done. And yeah, it's been seven years now that that guy's been working on that <laughs> film. And I understand it takes a long time to make a film, especially an animated film, especially if it's basically being done by one person. And I believe that he is working on it and, and that it will be completed someday. But I just had that moment of like, wow, seven years later, uh, my first Kickstarter wow. still has not fulfilled. All right. Thanks. That was great. One topic left to go. Allison, what is it? Well, I just finished reading a book called The Secret Life of the Grown-Up Brain, and it's all about memory and what we can do to keep our, our brains active. And it's it's a whole lot of scientific experiments and everything that have been done. And one of the things they said in there was that trying to do something that's really hard for your brain, it, trying to learn something and master it can actually extend your memory and help you, you, uh, you know, keep away the ill effects of aging. So I'm doing something to try to work on that. And it got me curious, what is the hardest technical thing with which you stretched your brain in the last couple of years? Well, <clears throat> at the risk of sounding like a, uh, a plug for one of our fine sponsors, uh, I have a Linode server that I set up in the last year to transition my, my private, my, um, my website to. And so I basically have turned that into my like my tinkering project. I consider it like the equivalent of having like an old car in your garage that you work on <laughs> yes. from time to time. Um, and it's like, oh, I wonder if I could do this on my server. But it's involved a bunch of things, not just setting up sort of uh, a Linux distro from scratch, but also installing things like, uh, you know, SSL certificates and uh, and securing my web server and, and all of that. And I, I kind of enjoy it. It is a fun thing to tinker on from time to time, even if occasionally you wish that there were just like, you know, an icon you could double click on and it would install everything you need. Um, but it does scratch an itch. And I love having that sort of total control over everything that goes on in there. Uh, and it's made me sort of, um, you know, dust off some of my rustier programming and system administration skills from my old career. And that's a uh, it's fun. It's good. To, like you said, it's good to keep your brain engaged and make it like sort of stretch every once in a while and do things that are hard, but ultimately uh, end up being kind of rewarding for the, you know, the sheer fact of doing them, even if all you end up with is, hey, my web server works. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, system administration, I consider it's like a little, it's like a little sport for me. As Jason mentioned, and as the news has been wont to mention a lot recently, it's not easy getting HomeKit certification. And, you know, some Sometimes a person just wants to have a HomeKit device, even if it doesn't have HomeKit certification. So what do you do? Well, there is this awesome project called HomeBridge. And um, it basically lets you bridge non-HomeKit devices to HomeKit. And it requires a lot of um, tinkering and changing things up. And I have on multiple occasions, like built different 
systems and then just, you know, tore them to the ground again. And it's a lot of fun. Um, so I've had my Nest Cam working as a HomeKit compatible camera. Um, I've played around with actually alerts for when people, uh, well, specifically my partner, because that's the only one who's going to give me like access to his phone, <laughs> not strangers, um, comes into the house where you kind of use one of the devices as an eye beacon. Um, and so it's like, guess what? Shane's just arrived, which is really cool and also creepy. Uh, <laughs> but there are lots of fun things to do and it requires uh, downloading these packages and then kind of tearing them apart and inputting your own code and digging into the different uh, products and stuff like that. So that has been so much fun, uh, a lot of trouble, and it's always fun to uh, scorched earth at the end and, and just start over from uh, step one. I've done a lot of like complex things like uh, setting up membership plans for both Six Colors and The Incomparable. Those, there were a lot of moving parts, but in the end, I was kind of setting up some spreadsheets and, you know, editing some templates and signing up for some web services. The thing that I, I would say was the hardest technically where my brain got stretched was I've done a bunch of stuff over the last year that I never really did before, which involves wiring in some shell scripting on my Mac with automator actions in order to simplify my life. And I don't know shell scripting. I never learned it. I bought. I actually bought the O'Reilly book about it so I could get a better sense about it. I still don't think I understand it, but I can find things on the internet and from friends and kind of adapt things to make them work the way that I want. But uh, that's super weird because I, I just I never have learned to think like a Unix scripter from the 1970s, which is basically what you have to do if you're going to look at shell scripts. I love these answers. Jason, you actually would really like The Secret Life of the Grown-Up Brain because one of the things they talk about is is the complex stuff that you did that maybe wasn't technically hard and how much better our brains are at that as we get older. We're not as good at that kind of stuff when we're younger. We're slower at some stuff, but this is what we're good at. Um, and I love your Node.js thing, Mike. I've got to get a link to that and find out what it is because the hardest thing I'm doing is I'm learning JavaScript programming from Bart Bouchatz, who uh, runs a website, bartb.ie. And uh, he has this series on my show we call Programming by Stealth, where he snuck up on me, started up by teaching me some HTML, and then we did a little bit of CSS. Now we're like full-on JavaScript programming. We're learning about how to put projects up on GitHub, and it's crazy fun. It's really, really hard. And um, But every time I, I think I should give up, Remember what the book said. It said, nope, you got to do it until you master it. You don't get to just be able to write hello world on a web page and have it animate or something. So it's, <laughs> it's been super fun. I'm finally just starting to get the hang of it and actually enjoy it. Very cool. All right. That's our uh, four topics. I think we might, might have just enough time for a bonus topic. Jason, what do you think? Sure, Dan. This episode of Clockwise brought to you also by Blue Apron, the number one recipe de delivery service. It has the freshest ingredients for less than $10 per meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. You make them yourself at home. Plus, Blue Apron is supporting a more sustainable food system because they've got very high standards for ingredients, and they're building a community of home chefs, people who have more experience cooking things at home. I've had Blue Apron for the last year. I understand more about things, cooking things that I'd never really tried to cook before because Blue Apron provides recipes along with the ingredients, and then you can reuse the recipe cards later and make it again yourself if you really like that recipe. So, each Blue Apron meal comes with that recipe card and the pre-portioned ingredients, and the goal is you'll be done in 40 minutes or less. My box is coming later today. 
I'm very excited. Sometimes when we finish clockwise, my blue apron box is waiting right outside. You can choose from a variety of new recipes every week or let Blue Apron's team surprise you. No epi- no recipes are repeated within a year. If you don't like the recipes that are on order for a week, you can customize to a different re- recipe or drop that week and you don't get charged and then Blue Apron comes the next week. So there's really no risk. You're not going to get stuck with, with food that you don't want to eat. If there's a certain kind of style of food that you don't like, you can just steer away from it. So a few of the things that you might make with Blue Apron. Cashew chicken stir fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice. I had that. That was really good. Cheddar cheeseburgers with frizzled onions and romaine salad. Had that. That was really good too. And baked ricotta cannelloni with romaine salad and Meyer lemon dressing. I don't think I've had that one yet. Maybe that's going to be in my box today. Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental United States. So if you are not in the 1%, you can probably get Blue Apron. There's no weekly commitment. The freshness guarantee means every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. Check out this week's menu and get three meals free with your first purchase, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash clockwise. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. That's blueapron.com slash clockwise. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right. uh, The bonus question for this week. I've been watching a bunch of time travel TV shows. So my question for you, if you could travel back, time travel rules back, not forward to any era, which era would it be, Micah? You know, Dan, I've been thinking about this, and uh, the past has been kind of rough for people like me. Uh, um, and so I I just watched Doctor Strange, uh, actually this morning, early this morning, and I'm going to take the energy that would be required to travel back in time, and I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to go to a different universe instead, and just check it out, see what it's like there. Um, <laughs> because I don't think it'd be very safe for me to travel back to the past i'm gonna say that i'm gonna go back to the 80s just because i'm from the 80s kind of and it's awesome and i wouldn't mind uh, living there again for a little while and i know who wins the super bowl in the world series so i can use the biff tannen method to make some money yeah well i wanted to go forward too and uh so the only thing i could think of to go backwards to would be i would think it would be fun to be in 1966 and watch uh, Star Trek when it first came out. I think I would go back. I don't know. The 1920s or 30s, I've always had a, a soft spot for, but mainly just because I like the clothes. The dances. The dances and the clothes. I know, right? It was just, it was just yeah. fantastic. That's all. Good news, Dan. The 20s are just around the corner. Woohoo! <laughs> I lived long <laughs> enough. I can make it all the way back around. Uh, thank you for your answers on that. And that's the end of our show this week. All that remains is to thank our fantastic guests. Micah Sargent, thank you so much for coming back. Thanks for having me. I am always happy to join you all. And Allison Sheridan, thanks for being on with Micah Sargent again. I would like to thank Micah Sargent for being on so that I could be on and fulfill the terms of my contract. (laughs) All right. And we will be back next week with more exciting Clockwise with two more guests who will will not match the chemistry, I'm going to guarantee you, of Allison and Micah. But they'll be good (laughs) guests anyway. But until then, all we have to do is remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. 